1: Our Golden Valley, your exclusive Twin Cities home for the Ramsey Show, live weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said Friday it's still unclear if U.S. interest rates will need to rise further. The risks of
3: doing too much versus doing too little are becoming more balanced and our policy has adjusted to
1: reflect that fact. In carefully scripted remarks at a Fed research conference at which Powell was interviewed by a top U.S. central bank staffer, the Fed chief reiterated that the central bank would now make decisions, in his words, meeting by meeting. The world's fourth biggest car maker by sales, warning of a potential existential threat to the British car market.
4: The parent company of Fiat and Peugeot, among others, says the government needs to move to alter the terms of its post-Brexit trade deal with the European Union. Stellantis said it may not be able to keep its commitment to manufacture them in the U.K. without...
1: That is correspondent Jeremy House reporting on Wall Street Friday. The Dow was down 109 points. This is SRN News.
5: It takes teamwork to stay safe on Minnesota roads during the winter. You can help. When you see snow plows at work, slow down. Slower speeds can save lives. Don't crowd the plow and leave plenty of space between yourself and other vehicles. Keep your headlights on to see and be seen. Avoid distractions and always stay alert behind the wheel. This message brought to you by the Minnesota Department of Transportation, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and this station. Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? Consider volunteering with your local fire department. The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, Being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org.
3: From supporting local food banks to raising money for those in need, our listeners know they can count on us to lend a helping hand. Like thousands of AM radio stations across the country, we take our commitment to our listeners and our community seriously. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for help and a connection, in addition to the news, information, and entertainment we provide. We would love to hear what you value most about AM radio. Visit WeAreBroadcasters.com and
2: tell us how you depend on AM. WeAreBroadcasters.com
1: Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded.
2: The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. No! Come on, rise and shine.
0: It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year.
5: Turn all the lights on and kill the noise.
6: The Biz 1440 presents... Best two hours of economic news and commentary.
1: Is it safe?
6: It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought.
1: My mind is a globe with whirling transient nodes of thought.
6: Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan.
4: Good morning. Welcome to King Banyan Show, the biz 14:40. On a a cool start to your Saturday, but it's going to warm up today. It'll hit the, it'll get to the 70s I I expect. And I know I know I expect it because I'm in shorts. I'm expecting a very nice a very nice afternoon here uh going forward. Uh, and uh glad to be with you today. We're we're thank you for uh Thank you for giving me a week off last week. Uh, happy Mother's Day belatedly to those of you who uh were able to spend time with your moms. Um, we did so spiritually uh over the weekend over the past weekend uh with our with our mom um looking at pictures and uh having uh having all of the kids together. I think I saw 3 of my 4 I thought I saw my 3 nieces. My nephew was uh over in Europe and not available. Uh uh and so Anyway, great great time had by all. Uh, thank, you for, uh, thank you for choosing us as the place you're going to come to today. Where I really am interested in trying to figure out whether I'm going to be wrong about a recession happening. It, the data continue to click in at rates that, with figures that are confusing, I think, to some. I and, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, and this is what happens whenever you give a forecast. You should probably spend more, more of your time, rather than trying to justify why you're right, figure out the ways in which your forecast might be wrong and then work very hard to keep an eye on whether or not you did get it wrong. So we're going to do that in part of this morning. We're going to also... There was a conference that the Federal Reserve put on in DC yesterday, on Friday. And I'm not gonna play but two very short snippets of of uh Chairman Powell. Um this was set up uh by the Fed, so they dictated all the rules. Um The chair, uh, uh, Jay Powell, knew what questions were coming. He actually brings papers with him to be sure that the answer he gives is the answer he wants to give. He He stays very tightly scripted. But there was something interesting in how they set this up. And I thought it was fascinating that sitting alongside Jay Powell was... Ben Bernanke, former chair of the Fed, um, now a scholar at the Brookings Institution in D.C., and um, who looks like he has not a care in the world, who doesn't, and people were noting, he doesn't use any notes. It's like, yeah, but he used notes when he was, um, he used notes when he was um, chair of the Fed. But, he no longer has any real responsibilities, um, so, or at least in terms of monetary policy, he has no responsibilities. So, yeah, he gets to kind of just sit there and riff, um, and, and that's great. And then in the uh, 10 o'clock hour, we will have uh, Phil Kirpin, uh, uh, who is president of uh, American Commitment, uh, a public interest firm, uh, who published a piece not terribly long ago, a few weeks ago, about um, the veto of uh, from the Bi- from President Biden, his very first veto of a bill, and it was about the about changing the fiduciary standards for financial planners to say that they could or could not include uh, ESG as an investing goal. I know that from uh, Twitter, our hashtag pound KBRS, my handle is at Banyan Show. I know my my guests are interested in this topic and almost truly serendipitously in comes this, uh, this email from someone saying, saying, hey, you know, Phil's got a new piece out. Would you be interested in talking to him? Gosh, yes, I really would. Uh, I always like having him on the show, even if he's a Mets fan. It's still, it's okay. Um, uh, So, but uh, the first veto is on this issue. And of course, how can we get by without talking about the news of the debt ceiling? I cannot go give a talk anywhere without being asked about it. I have been pretty insistent that they are going to, you know, and I think this is this is how it's gonna go. This is sort of an ultimatum game. And in game theory, you play this game and, and you play this game where each side tries to get the other side to blink. It's James Dean going to toward the cliff. They all have to see who's gonna blink first. And so throughout this past week, there had been uh there had been discussion of they seem to be moving toward a solution. Things are going to be okay. And indeed, um, I gave a talk on Thursday um, down in Becker, Minnesota, and, and was asked the question, you know, and of course I've got an answer in my head because I know the question's coming, about, about well, what about the debt ceiling? And I said, you know, this is, this is, this is what they do. And I, and I said to them, Expect that at least once or twice there's going to be a uh, something that happens where where they're going to act like, "Oh my gosh, we're done. We can't talk to you anymore. We're walking out of negotiations and not 24 hours later, the House Republicans, in discussion with uh, the White House team in DC, while of course President Biden is in Japan at the G7 meetings, um, walk out of the meeting. Okay, and indeed, uh, asked on the asked on the Hill later in the day what happened, uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy um, responded to the question in this way. Cut number seven, please. Spencer.
7: Well, we, we've got to get movement by the White House and we don't have any movement, ahead, so um, yeah,
2: we've got to pop.
7: seemed really optimistic yesterday, is it? So yeah,
2: I mean, yesterday, yesterday, yesterday,
3: yesterday like. I really felt we were at the location where i could see the path the, the white house is just that we can't be spending more money next year we have to spend less than we spent the year before it's pretty
4: easy we have to spend less than we did the year before so at right after shortly afterward um uh president biden is asked his asked for his comments about this uh, uh about the negotiations and he has this to say let me go find this. This should be cut number six. What
0: happens is the first meetings weren't all that percussive. The second ones were. The third one was. And then what happens is uh, the carriers go back to the principals and say this is what we're thinking about. And then people put down new claims. I still believe we'll be able to avoid a default and uh, we'll get something decent done.
4: So I think this is interesting. Uh, it's interesting in so far as what seems to be happening is, is that the White House is saying we're going to get a deal done. We're going to get a deal done, and put and try to blame the House if the House Republicans, if something doesn't happen, if there's a, and trying to put pressure on them. Uh, whereas Speaker McCarthy is saying they're not really moving toward us at all and we're not we're not willing to do this there there are numerous points to, uh of contention i'm only going to focus on one okay i'm not going to work requirements for various uh means tested programs uh transfer programs um i i'll just set that to the side um there, there there's some interesting discussion we could have about that but i'm not i i let me just focus on one thing One of the insistences, and again, if you listen to the speaker, he says, we have to get control of spending. It appears that, that tells me that one of the sticking points in this is that the bill that the the House passed that got the White House to the negotiating table. And let's be clear, right? They said, you know, Biden had said, not going to negotiate, not going to negotiate, not going to negotiate the house passes a bill they're like okay let's talk the bill says um they're going to roll back discretionary spending to 2022 levels and then and then hold it down to a one percent increase per year over the next 10 years uh david henderson who blogs at the uh at the library of economics and liberty um is retired he used to work at the uh naval postgraduate uh, uh, school out in monterey um has pointed out that that points out that if you make it grow by one percent that means in real terms in inflation adjusted terms discretionary spending would fall remember discretionary spending is a small portion of the entire budget they have the 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 house plan doesn't touch entitlements except for the work requirement. All right. Doesn't touch it except for the work requirement. Um, and the biggest problem is that the debt, the size of the debt is in fact getting bigger since 1961. Henderson points out in only five years, has there been a budget surplus that would actually pay down the debt. 1969, and then the four years between 1998 and 2001, the tech boom, um, led to a massive influx of tax revenues, right? Uh, which, along with slightly slower defense spending, with the peace dividend after the fall of the Soviet Union, brought it down to that, right? So, so we in the meantime, the federal debt has gone from. 22% of GDP in 1974 to now 94% of GDP in the fourth quarter of this past year. Right. So the problem is the level of spending. And this, even this very small down payment, what, what I heard Speaker McCarthy say is that that they're not really willing to limit that particular number. I'm going to give you some more numbers on this coming up right after these messages. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440.
1: From Lakeville to Lake Superior and Chaplin to Chile, We're where you are. The Biz 1440, Twin Cities Business Radio. Listen in anytime, anywhere at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. In
3: 1981, Heritage Christian Academy began with 13 students. Today, they celebrate God's faithfulness with 550 students in grades pre-K through 12. God has shown his provision for HCA for 40 years. Let me introduce one of God's faith-filled stories.
5: Hi, I'm Tanya Scott i serve as president at heritage christian academy the first graduating class in 2001 paved the way for students to enter some of the finest colleges and universities in the country around the world these alumni are sharing the gospel of jesus and defending their faith on their campuses in the marketplace the military the operating room in their churches in courtrooms and in their homes the impact of heritage christian academy's four core values of truth, service, relationships, and excellence are evidenced in the lives of the men and women that have been trained to know, love, and serve Jesus.
3: For more information about Heritage Christian Academy in Maple Grove, visit
0: heritageweb.org. Take your investment knowledge to new heights this year on the 2023 Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Join us along with The Money Show on a luxury voyage to the Caribbean and learn from top financial experts like George Gilder and Mark Scallison through workshops and seminars. Relax and refresh, all while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals. Secure your spot today at eaglefinancialcruise.com. That's eaglefinancialcruise.com. Eagle Financial is a
7: division of Salem Media Group. Has your heater or air conditioner busted? Appliance broken? Computer crashed? then you need an ARW Home Warranty. Home system and appliance repairs and replacements can cause stress and cost you thousands of dollars per year. With an A-plus BBB rating and a top-rated home warranty company on Consumer Affairs and Trust Pilot, ARW Home provides superior service, featuring the industry's lowest service call fee. ARW Home has warranty plans that cover your kitchen and laundry appliances. Heating and air conditioning systems, electrical and plumbing systems, and much more. Call 800-942-1451 to customize your plan. Plus, ARW has partnered with Azurian to protect your new and used tablets, laptops, TVs, and other home tech from accidental damage and wear and tear. All plans come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-942-1451 for your free quote. That's 800-942-1451.
3: Your traditional water softener wastes water as if you ran a full washer for just a pair of socks. Commerce wet technology softeners will save you water and salt. Save $400 when you trade in your old salt hog to Commerce Water. Go to (music) Commerce.com.
4: Welcome back, King Banyan Show. The biz 1440. Oh, that sounds so good. I'll have to listen. I'll, I'm going to have to listen to that after the show. It's a good day to do this. Yeah. Are you, have you got the, uh, the debt limit blues? I do. I'm sick of talking about it. But you kind of have to talk about it. And why do you have to talk about it? Because... I just tweeted to you at the hashtag pound KBRS. If you if you were following us before, refresh your screen. It should pop up. I just put this up in the last sixty seconds. Uh, I the budget outlook numbers that come from the CBO. Okay, um, and 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 you will see. And so I just I just I just tweeted the screenshot and I used our hashtag pound KBRS, which is how you follow the show all the time. Uh, of course, you can uh, follow our station. Uh, uh, the Biz 1440 at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Take a look at the data, okay? And I and I want to point out, right? Outlays as a share of GDP, right? Meaning total spending from the government as a share of GDP has averaged between 1973 and 2022. 21%. Whereas tax revenues have averaged about It is hard to get them much above 18. It is hard to get them much below 17. They kind of just run in that range. Um, Revenues actually came in very high in 2022. um, Up to 19.6% of GDP. Uh, But the point here is that the spending that happened in in the first two years of the Biden administration, has expanded that out from 21 percent of GDP to now in, in 2022 and in fiscal 22 ending last September 30th, 24.8 uh, percent. Fiscal 23 expected to fall all the way to 24.2 percent. But more importantly, if you sh- if you expand out to 2033 you get 25, it goes back to 25% while you still have that 18% of, of, of tax revenues to GDP. And it really does seem like there is that we've had high tax rates in that period between 1973 and 2022. We have had low tax rates in that time. But the amount of tax revenue we collect doesn't seem to vary by, by much. How is it then that we would actually be able to pay this debt off over time unless we were to unless we were to actually try to get a grip on on spending because of the twenty five percent of okay, take that that number in twenty thirty three and ask yourself what's in there? Okay? Mandatory spending in terms of the in terms of the uh, uh uh, in, in terms of of, of GDP, 16.3 percent this past year is only going to drop to 15.3 percent. Drops to 14.3 percent in 2024, but then reaccelerates to 15.3 percent. Almost all of that is because of the aging baby boomer generation reaching social, time for Social Security and time to, for Medicare. So those two numbers by themselves. Which in 2022 came out, those two by themselves came out to eight, about 8.5% of GDP, become more than 10.5% of GDP a decade from now. We're not willing to touch that. Remember, when I say 1% of GDP, you go, well, how much is that? Okay, roughly speaking, call it $30 trillion. $30 trillion is, is GDP, so 1% of that is $300 billion. That's the amount of money we're talking about. So if we're going to have that go up, that means we're spending $600 billion more on just Social Security plus Medicare. Remember also, interest rates have shot up dramatically. And so the cost of servicing the U.S. debt will rise, according to this, from 1.9% in 2022 and a 2% average over the previous 40 years. It accelerates to 3.7% on CBO projection in 2033. Now, again, I'm using CBO because the Office of Management budget is a creature of of the executive branch, and I've always thought their numbers might get moved around somewhat by by the White House, okay? They move in whatever direction the president at that time would want. CBO, I agree with David Henderson about this, does a fairly good job of maintaining, the, maintaining a, a nonpartisan stance. I trust their numbers more than I trust OMB numbers. I trust them more than, in terms of the budget deficit, CBO is pretty much, you know, it's, kind of hard to think about who does a better projection than they do i don't have i don't have a good i don't have a name for you on that so if i look at if i look at that then and i say well then what we need to do is get our hands on discretionary spending non-defense discretionary spending goes down from 3.6 percent to 3.2 percent and if you froze that number to grow at 1%, that would actually come down a little bit more. But understand that non-defense discretionary spending is already below its it's 40-year average and is unlikely to grow very fast since then. If you hold that to a 1% growth number over 10 years, you probably save about a quarter of a trillion dollars, $250 billion, so you're going to save less than 1% of GDP. So maybe rather than having a a deficit that's near 7% of GDP, it'll be closer to 6%. That's still too much. They're still arguing around the edges of the problem. We're going to enter a period where we have higher debt and higher deficits. And there are a lot of people Including the folks uh, who are arguing on the White House's behalf right now, who are saying, "Look, this doesn't really matter that much. The size of the deficit's not that imp- is not that important." Um, and indeed, uh, who will say, "Who will say?" In essence, and 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 it even ranges to the people like a Larry Summers or Jason Furman who have been very clear that about inflationary issues, have been clear that they've thought that the deficit is too high. Okay, they think it's too high, but they think it's too high because they think it's inflationary and there's actually increasing the amount of stagnation that's happening in this economy. We're growing more slowly. And as I was saying to this group on Thursday in Becker, What concerns me about this is I'm coming to the view that, that there are diminishing returns to additional deficit spending. We blew out $5 trillion in the economy, uh, uh, in spending between the, between two bills in 2020 and, and one bill in 2021 in response to the pandemic. Those three bills threw $5 trillion into the economy. The case I want to make coming up here is that I think there's a there's a, a case to be made that we're still feeling the effects of that. And some of that is actually built in a buffer that has helped us to now avoid a recession that... I've been predicting now for well, about five months. Okay? I'm right at the point you're right. And frankly, if it starts in August rather than what I thought would it was May or June, I'm okay. Okay? But if it starts in twenty twenty four, then I'll say, Okay, I was wrong. I thought it was gonna start in twenty three, it started in twenty four. Okay. I can be off I can be off a few months, but if I'm off six months, no, then you, you got that one wrong. And I'm looking to see where that comes from. And I have to say, one of the things that I believe is causing that is actually, is actually perhaps the impact of that spending. I don't think anyone has said this better than uh, Joe Bruswellis, who's the chief economist for RSM uh, up in Canada, uh, who, who was on Yahoo Finance yesterday and had this to say. Let's play cut number eight, Spencer. The $5 trillion put on the table was the first time the federal government's really used fiscal firepower in a significant way to alter the dynamics and trajectory of the American economy since the mid-1960s. Yeah, we got some inflation out of that, but I would argue most of the inflation we got was due to the supply chain shocks, followed by the Russian war in Ukraine, in addition to the demand where we had too few, too many dollars chasing too few goods. That half a trillion that we have sitting in excess savings right now, that's really the difference between uh, an economy that's growing right around trend at around 1.8 percent and an economy that would be in recession, you know, particularly the corporate sector. Right. I, and I'm going to show you because I've got to run to a break here in a moment, but I want to show you uh, a, 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 a graph that we've that I've been drawing to sh- I think I just deleted it. I'll have to reopen it. Um, I want to show you a graph that demonstrates what we're talking about, um, which is the, the 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 big burst upward in bank deposits that I think represented the holding of of the excess uh, savings out of that five trillion dollars. He puts the amount left. At half a trillion. I actually think it might be a little bit greater than that. And that story. Um, and it just depends on how you're, you're. What you include. And where did that money go. If you put the. If you include. Um, these other places. That I think the money is staying in. I think there's closer to a trillion. And. That is still providing some buffer. Uh, out there. Because, why? Because. The job market has actually done better than I expected it to do. And and wages have increased somewhat and I think that there's still that, that, that is allowing people to continue to keep spending. I want to look at the data of the week and I want to talk about talk about those issues as well. We'll talk about them right after these messages. You are listening to the King Bangin show on the biz fourteen
7: forty.
3: When should you start collecting your Social Security? How you answer this question will be the difference in the success or failure of your retirement. Tune in to Money Matters with Alan Mike this week. They'll be sharing Social Security tips, from the basics of the program to strategies to maximize your payments. Alan Mike will help you sort out this important but often misunderstood part of your retirement income plan. Listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on the Biz 1440 or call them at 855 231 6010. Pro-Life Across America,
4: the Billboard People.
8: Did you know my mom's going to have a baby? She is? Will it be a boy? Or will it be a girl? We don't know yet, but we heard the heartbeat, and my dad said this is going to be someone very special. You mean like being a president? Or maybe a doctor. Well, probably maybe like a singer or dancer, I think.
6: Hello, my name is Marianne Kowarski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. We know that every baby is a miracle and has the potential to do great things. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational.
2: This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org.
4: Welcome back King the show, the biz 1440. Good to be, good to be on. Uh, we are talking about the, uh, we're talking about whether or not this economy is resilient. Look, I, I know in playing the Brusuelas piece, he talks about fiscal firepower as if it's a, a lovely, powerful tool. He is part of, he has been a long time part of team transitory. Uh, and, um, as you know, I am not. Um, I think this inflation is going to be more stubborn, and indeed, I think that's the difference bet- on monetary policy between between the, the the markets who believe it's going to come down rapidly, and and the and the Federal Reserve, which I think believes it's stickier. Um, and I say good for them that they're that that they are. That they're uh, they're they're on that, but I think I think that this this situation we're in um, is kind of hard to forecast because people don't necessarily know when they're going to draw down those savings. So as I as I was saying, um, the co- one of the things that will keep people from drawing down their savings is this debt discussion. The impact of the debt ceiling debate would be if it shatters consumer confidence. Because right now, it's the consumer that is keeping this e- this economy growing in that, not great, but that 1-2% level that's going to keep us from actually being able to truly say, okay, that is a recession. That, we're not there right now. Right? We're not there right now. Um... Indeed, uh, uh, Jan Hatsius on, uh, on uh, Bloomberg uh, surveillance with Tom Keane yesterday was speaking to this question, and this was cut number three.
0: I think that they've certainly paused. Uh, time being, yes, let's agree. Uh, uh, I don't think they want to declare a victory. It's not mission accomplished. Inflation is too uh, wait, wait, high. But but, yeah, this
4: was... Hang on. That sounded like uh, a different cut. Uh, the Jan Hatzius cut should be cut number three.
1: A lot of humility is in order as we go into the next few Mm -hmm. months. There's obviously a lot of event risk, but I would say we're, we're reasonably well set up in terms of the disinflation process that's underway.
4: And and this is a when he says that he means that he sees a soft landing. Let me continue with him. This should be cut four.
1: Well, I think by June of 2024, I would have, you know, our baseline has the rebalancing in the in the labor market completed at that point. Mm-hmm. And inflation, you know, down from, uh, you know, right now, we're four and a half. Uh, by, you know, next year, I think we'll be below 3%. So I do think we're going to be in a very different place.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. So he's seeing... A recession. If you look at the d- data from the last week, uh, okay, got it. Um, if you go look at the data from, from retail sales that came in this week, and this has, been, this has been something I've been focused on quite a bit, has been the difference in the data that comes out uh, between anything having to do with manufacturing and anything that having, has to do with sales. So as I looked at the data, the forecast for sales was for an eight-tenths percent increase in, in in U.S. retail sales, and we only got a four-tenths. But what happened was that was largely due to a pause in the sale of automobiles. Um, retail sales less autos came in right on target. Home builder confidence actually came in a little bit higher than expected. But on the other hand, industrial production, which has been lagging, has been the one that I've been looking at to say, okay, the manufacturing sector is definitely in a decline, but industrial production came in at a positive five-tenths of one percent. And that's why I think this viewpoint that some people, including Bursuelas, has had, that what we're experiencing is the resiliency of the economy that that in that that resilience is um, is bolstered by the savings boost that we have seen now let me talk about the graph I just posted for you because what I was trying to measure in this graphic was the the change in in three types of deposits right so somewhere in May of somewhere in early 2020 the Federal Reserve changed this stuff this is the stuff that causes conspiracy theories the Federal Reserve changed how it reported money supply figures data that I have relied on for decades all of a sudden they changed how they reported it um, because there are new types of deposits that are out so I've been trying to find a replacement for it. They ch- they grouped liquid deposits, okay, and if I look at liquid deposits and ask what's in that number in liquid deposits, okay, that is basically any, any level of deposits, any level of money that's immediately available for use that's not in a commercial checking account. Money that's in money that's available to draw, uh, write a check on at a credit union, okay, and money market deposit accounts. Between May of 2020, when the first month, when the first funds hit the banks uh, out of when the first money hit the banks out of the first the CARES Act in April of that year. Up to, up to January, the amount of money that was in that account accelerated by about half a trillion dollars. Then, then the Biden administration comes in, new Congress, and they say we need to spend more money. So we're, they go ahead and drop money in the form of, of the American recovery plan and the amount of money in the saving in the number that I track for savings accounts between January of 21 and January of 22 rises by another by an, approximately another trillion dollars. Now, after 22, it decelerates rapidly so that we're actually back down to a level below where we were pre-pandemic. But the difference here is people are saving money because short term interest rates on other kinds of accounts have gone up. Small denomination time deposits, okay? Those are time deposits that are that are balances less than a hundred thousand dollars. Okay? That's the little certificate of deposit that you have at your bank. Those things paid less you know less than one percent back in 2020 and there was less than half a trillion dollars in those accounts back at that time and indeed by the time you get to uh, get to January of 2022 there's less than a hundred billion dollars in these small time deposits because they just don't pay anything there's now almost half a trillion dollars in there this is some of the banking disintermediation that has caused some of the issues that, that, have, that have been felt over the last few weeks. I was visiting two weeks ago. In fact, right after the last show, I visited, Well, I, I, I golfed with and then visited with a local banker who was talking about how they were trying to keep deposits in their bank by offering a tier of different certificates of deposit this bank was paying North of four percent a year ago, they would have paid less than one percent, and so some money has gone in there and likewise, in terms of retail in retail money market funds, well retail money market funds have been pretty constant through this time, but you have to actually add on the small denomination time deposits to see the impact of 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 changes in interest rates and how it's keeping money parked on the sideline. But I actually think, and why I'm still thinking, I'm right about what's going to happen with the consumer. The money tied up in the small denomination time deposits is tied up. It's not going to be converted to spending if we get a bump in the road from a debt ceiling ceiling calamity or from an increase in unemployment. Because they've locked that money up. To try to get that 4, 4.5% return that was non existent 18 months ago. So, that I believe is why I still think, on balance, we're going to be right in saying the recession's coming in the second half of the year. I've been watching this savings number for quite some time and trying to get a grip on it. And I would hear people say that there's half a billion, there's a, or half a trillion or a trillion dollars, and I'm and I'm looking at the data just on these other liquid deposits, which is mostly what I think of as as where the savings went. And if I just look at that number on its own, again, it was 13.7 trillion in Janu- in 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 January of of 22. It's now down at 11.7 trillion. So two trillion dollars of that has burnt off and only some of it has been replaced by the time deposits I think some of the rest of it is actually supporting the stock market but I, but I don't think those funds are really going to come back into the marketplace and I think they've actually are much closer to spending out their savings than even uh, folks like Hatzios or Brusuelas are saying right now so I, I still kind of think I'm right on this Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440.
1: The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley.
7: Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing.
2: Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252.
1: Do you have Medicare
2: and do you use a CPAP machine?
1: This is a national health care
2: alert regarding
3: your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy.
7: We keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinion. AM is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you advised of threatening weather conditions and AMBER alerts. Text AM to the number 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to the number 52886. Standard message and data rates may apply.
1: The Ramsey Show. You're also supposed to enjoy money. Now, some of you that overspend out there, you spend like you're in Congress, you don't have any issue with this enjoying money thing. Enjoying money without overdoing it is a sign of maturity. The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. From Glencoe to New Mexico and Apple Valley to Napa Valley, we're where you are. This is Twin Cities Business Radio. Stream the biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
4: welcome back King Banging Show, the Biz Fourteen Forty. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven the number to call. Questions and comments. After at the top of the hour, uh we'll have Phil Kirpin uh from American Commitment speaking to us about uh about uh the uh, President Biden's veto of a bill that would have uh that would have limited uh the limited the ability of uh uh, uh people to use um social justice um goals in deciding how to invest your pension dollars okay so this is uh this is uh uh, something that's um this is something that is of real interest to me because i'm at the age where i'm gonna have to start looking at at you know how much money i have in my in my retirement funds and many of those are controlled by by me but not all of them and um I, I i do have some concerns Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. um let me finish up this hour with 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 sort of one more look around all of the da- all of the data uh that's out there so i again retail sales minus autos looked uh actually came in right on target as i looked at the if you look at the changes uh motor vehicles were up but less by less than expected uh um, but online purchases were up, um, uh, um, we're up by, uh, 1.2% building materials up, half a percent healthcare products up nine tenths percent general merchandise stores, Walmart, Target up nine tenths percent. And the fact, and, and, and frequently when you see these data go in one direction or the other, what you, what, what's caught your, what ends up catching you is, uh, uh, a surprising drop or increase in the amount of gasoline sales, and they were actually down. Um, uh, eight, the sales was down eight tenths percent, which was weird because gas prices in April had gone up, but the but the but sales had gone down by more than a little bit. What does that mean? Not exactly sure. Okay. Um, that said, that plus the positive industrial production data caused measures like GDP now to put to put, intra, uh, to put GDP for the second quarter, which we are now officially more than halfway through, in the range of like I've seen numbers in one and a half to two percent, up from the the barely above one percent level in the first quarter. We'll actually get a. Second estimate of GDP, yeah, a little bit later this coming week. Um, but you will see you will see numbers starting to be projected for quarter two. Look, first of all, it's still early. We're still receiving data for the first month here for April. As I as I as I as I go to look at the data that's coming out over over the coming week. Um, 'll you'll, you'll get you'll get that second estimate of GDP on Thursday. you'll get the durable goods data on Friday, personal income, personal spending data, both of which are expected to come in at a nominal basis at a positive four-tenths of percent, which would be on a real, on real terms slightly positive but not not super good. We still think core PCE inflation is stuck around four to four and a half percent. I still see the economy as being held here. I'm going to defer my conversation about what the, what that means for the Federal Reserve until until after we finish up with Phil Kirpin uh during the next hour. I'll keep I'm going to reserve a little time to talk about that. But uh I I think that uh I think that uh the, the data that you'll get in, you know, consumer you'll get consumer sentiment next week as well. We will be here for Memorial Day weekend, just so that you, just so that I make sure everybody knows, and and uh, all, including uh, Spencer to say no, I'm I'm planning to actually work this coming weekend or come do the radio program this coming weekend. The number to really watch for this week will be on Tuesday, because you'll get the Flash Services and Flash Manufacturing PMIs for May. That is the first peak we get at what the month of May looks like. If I'm going to be right, those numbers should come off of and disappoint relative to the numbers we had in April. Uh, The PMI, again, 50 is the balance point, below 50, below 50, much below 50 means recession, much above 50, anything at 50 and above means expansion, uh, services PMI was reported in April at 53.6. Manufacturing PMI reported at 50.2. You would expect then that those numbers are going to come down a little bit. So Tuesday is actually the is the first point I'm going to look at and then Friday. Tuesday for the PMI data, Friday for the for the personal income and personal spending data and and a, and probably the, the first best good look at, what happened to inflation in April from the measure that is preferred by the Federal Reserve so coming up next okay what should your money manager when you put money into a mutual fund or into a pension plan what should be used to determine where your money goes okay should it include should it include social goals, environmental goals, or so forth. We're gonna talk about those with Phil Kirpin right after this on the King Banging Show on The Biz 1440.
8: We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business, and just overall it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com.
0: What's your favorite high
3: school sports memory? A late inning rally? A game winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late night bus ride home after a hard fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school. Plus, all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family.
4: Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association.
2: Arby's Computer
4: Service.
6: You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. RB's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give RB's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With RB's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own. Whether it's for your personal system or business, RB's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer
1: problems the boots. RB's Computer Service. The Biz 1440.